You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. How's it going? Uh, Getting ready for Senior Bowl. Got a big trip coming up, don't you? I do. And this is now the third time I'll be going to Newark Airport uh, with impending snow. (laughs) Uh, so let's hope that i made it out and uh everything is good i should be fine but this episode is actually being recorded uh you know not to our normal standards we're recording a lot earlier because our normal release date i will be in alabama i'll be in mobile alabama at the senior bowl Um, i'm very 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 excited i'm headed down to meet up i'm headed down with justin pennick and snicky snacks i think we're all on the same plane and we're meeting up with uh bobby skinner down there and uh, who wow. knows what happens from there? You know, I'm thinking of uh, that scene in Wolf and Wall Street where they're on the uh, on the plane going out for the uh, the bachelor party, and it's just debauchery and craziness on a flight. So <laughs> I could definitely see that with you clowns. Uh, I I mean I'm a I mean I, I I may not come home on my scheduled flight. I might be in jail. Who knows? Uh, in Alabama, well, it's well, let's hope Astro not. Pe- but S. Joe Pesci. <laughs> what, what was that a wazoo county or something like <laughs> god i really do love that movie anyway um so a little a little bit of this stuff is going to be kind of dated but the first thing we're going to talk about before we get into senior bowl stuff and all all the things that i'm really excited to see and the guys that i think you guys should keep your your eyes on through this coming week and, and then the game on friday um before we get through any of that we do want to go over joe shane's press conference that happened on tuesday um I guess, I, I mean, you and I, I think we agree, right? Like, these things are generally not that illustrative, right? I mean, it's a lot of general speak and, and nothing is very specific ever. And it's a lot of, um, you know, it's a lot of the same words being put in different sentences or whatever. But this is the first time we're really hearing Joe Shane talk. So it, it's important. I'll take this yeah. one as important. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh a couple of the standard cliches I always use that, you know, people always win the off season and winning the press conference is a big part of winning the off season. I mean, unless you're wearing a suit that's five sizes too tall, like one of our old coaches, it's very hard to scope a press conference. And, you know, especially for a fan base that is so beaten down and is in this mob mentality of, we have to get this fixed and fixed tomorrow. It's very easy to win a press conference like this. There are certain points you have to hit that is just red meat for the fans that they want to hear. And I think from a cliche standpoint, I think Joe Shane hit them all. You know, and uh, what I thought was really interesting, Grump, was not necessarily what he said because I didn't expect anything earth-shattering. It's the reaction that it got from the fans where – I'm not exactly sure he actually won the press conference based on a lot of the reaction that people I dealt with on Twitter and Facebook and it's people I, I deal with on a normal basis. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know that he's necessarily getting any kind of blame so much as um, the fan base is is ready for big change. And obviously change does not happen all in one day or even one week. So as these things slowly trickle, you know, we have – Dave Gettleman gets fired, and now we have our guy. And that took a couple of weeks to get that all sorted out. Or maybe it was only two weeks or something like that. But, I mean, it was several days, and and every day. We we live in a society now where we just refresh constantly. We're just refreshing for the latest latest breaking news. And it really is like that. I know that because I wasn't working. I was refreshing my phone, Um, (laughs) you know, for like two weeks. So – I do get it, and, and I think Giants fans are ready for the next change to happen. Joe Shane was already announced, so everyone wants to hear his press conference, but they're really ready for the next domino to drop, you know, or, or whatever, the next foot to drop, whatever that is. Yeah, the next, the next shoe to 
the next shoe to drop. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, though, and I, I do agree with you that everybody wins the offseason unless you're wearing a suit that's five sizes too too small, too big, or whatever. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, McAdoo was hammered the first time that he took the podium. But not for nothing, Giants fans went from that to Dave Gettleman, who did not nail his opening press conference. I mean, for all the the... The nitty-gritty of things that you can criticize Dave Gettleman on, the thing that immediately irked people is he's very arrogant, and he speaks publicly like he is the smartest man in the room. So I don't think that he – Dave Gettleman didn't win uh, Giants fans over right away, and I think he was a hire that they weren't excited about. Well, I mean I can only speak for myself, but a hire that most people I don't think were very excited about to begin with. So I think Giants fans are used to -to back-to-back losing the off-seasons. Yeah. I thought, though, it was interesting, you know, talking about the next shoe to fall or the next foot to fall or whatever. (laughs) You would think that would be, okay, we've made the changes. We've fired the GM. We've fired the coach. We got the GM. You would think the next shoe to fall would be we got the new head coach. But it seems like the thing that really – one of the big points in the press conference that really got the fan base kind of riled up was the – comments about the quarterback you know if it's a three-headed monster of things that people wanted swept out the door general manager head coach quarterback they didn't hear exactly what they wanted to hear about daniel jones yeah but i i I think i think i agree um like you know giants fans are ready to just change they're ready to tear everything down and change so um i i get it um, but also, I think I think Joe Shane. First of all, I thought he spoke very well. He's a very good speaker. Um, not a whole lot. In fact, maybe not any ums or uhs. You know what I mean? And that's not really whatever. But I think he's a very intelligent man. He's a very poised man. I don't think he's very easily rattled. Uh, and I think years of of working with Brandon Bean and having several responsibilities has ironed him out to dealing with things uh there was one point where paul schwartz asked a question and in kind of asking the question i I don't really even know what it was he asked and i could tell that joe shane didn't really know either but he answered very quickly you know he just kind of said some stuff about like uh this is a prestigious organization but they've sucked the last couple years and and that was kind of it like i didn't really know what the question was but um, he took it all in stride. And I think when he talked about Daniel Jones, what he said was very fair. I mean, honestly, this is kind of what this podcast is built around. So I, I liked the answer, but it was simply only that Daniel Jones has not been in a situation where he can succeed. He's had turnover at head coach, offensive coordinator, offensive line coaches. And quite frankly, the offensive line itself has not been fixed. And in its best attempts, everybody got hurt. So it's been an unfair evaluation of Daniel Jones, and it's been an unfair evaluation of Saquon Barkley. The two people that Joe Shane mentioned, and probably the two people that Giants fans are the most ready to just move on from, probably. Uh, Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. And the answer, just to follow up what you said, I am 100% agreement what he said about Daniel Jones. I'm not a Daniel Jones... Uh, truther an apologist or apologist or even supporter i'm a daniel jones incompletist so i don't i just don't know i'm not ready to give up on a guy especially right now given what his his financial situation is for himself and this team and also you know we talked about last week one of my big pillars of rebuilding this team is determining timelines and again this team is not in a window to make the playoffs right now So, you know, they can afford themselves the opportunity to do more of an evaluation with him with a whole new coaching staff and a new GM. These are objective eyes. They they are not invested in Daniel Jones because they didn't draft him. Their reputations are on the line for taking him above what the experts said he should have been drafted. Uh, So there's no rush to get rid of him right now. It's not costing this team anything really like a, a lost year or something but you know a lot of the fans are like well you know daniel jones he's just not a winner he's not durable let me tell you something grump this you know you remember the end of you know phil sims's career right mm-hmm. 
You remember the beginning of his career? I was not alive for it. You were not alive for that. Well, I remember his career. His first five years, he missed five games, three games, six games, 16 games, and he didn't start 16 games the year after. He came in two games towards the end of it. My point being is that if there was such a rush to judgment by everybody with Phil Simms, very good chance there's no Super Bowl. You know, Super Bowl 21. There's very good chance that, you know, this team is starting over looking for a quarterback. I know that was that first round of Super Bowls was really predicated on defense and everything, but Phil Simms is in the ring of honor. Phil Simms has his number retired. Phil Simms had a great career as a, you know, number one analyst on CBS. None of those things happen if we rush to make our decisions that he's not durable, not a winner, blah, blah, blah. If they get rid of him, like Daniel Jones after three years, like what, what could have happened back then? So I, I get it. There's different times now. I mean, there's a salary cap to deal with, you know, things like that. But I just say to everybody who's so quick to want to get rid of Daniel Jones, make your evaluation when you have enough real data to make that evaluation. You know, you, you know, has he not improved with a whole new, another coaching staff with better weapons, a better offensive line, all of these things? I mean, we'll, we'll see, but I still think it's too early, and I'm glad the things that were said in the press conference were said. Yeah, I, I agree um, with the general idea of that. I mean, Phil Simms is a rough comparison. Was he drafted in 79? Yeah, I mean, different... Different time, but 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 I get I get the parallel that you're drawing. So I, I know you're not trying to mirror image the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I totally agree with you. And I think that you can look at things and see that there are marked improvements in Daniel Jones's game. I mean, the fumbles that happened with him were not all created equal, and they were an issue uh, that was a concern coming out of college, right? I mean, a lot of it had to do with just being a little too calm in the pocket. Um, and keeping his eyes downfield, you know, a, a trait that you kind of want, you know, you don't want to be panicking and running away constantly. So it was not the super negative, but the fumbles came from just jumping to the next level and being on a bad team. Um, but you can see, even despite two different offensive systems, one of which is trash and doesn't actually uh, utilize his strengths of the deep, the deep ball is really what he is very good at, deep ball accuracy. Um and also the the rate of fumbles has decreased. Well, that's the thing. Exactly. You can you look over the time and you see his pocket pre- I pointed this out during the year. Just little things, little plays where you can see he steps up in the pocket, slides out and hits somebody in stride. I mean that that is that was the jump that I thought would make him be the guy. The only problem was that happened. That started to you really started to see that around the time of the Saints game and that was kind of when things were were at their best, and then immediately following that, everybody just got hurt. So we didn't get that prolonged amount of it, but you could see flashes of it with him throughout the year. And I do think that there, I mean, statistically, you can look at the fumbles and just say there's an improvement there. Watching it, you can see it too. I mean, the, he's still getting hit, he's still getting sacked, but the fumbles just really weren't happening. And then, you know, of course, there's some running ones, but every time a quarterback runs, there's a better chance that it's going to be a fumble than had a running back you know what i mean so um and also the the other part of the press conference talking about daniel jones was mara admitted mm -hmm. we've done everything we could do to screw this kid up yes i mean for you know football is run by egomaniacs if you're an owner you're an egomaniac if you're a gm you're an egomaniac you're a coach to admit that and to admit it in a way that basically says we really screwed up i mean that's a little bit of self-awareness that I'm least glad to see. It may not mean a whole lot, but a lot of people refuse to admit any mistakes they've done in the past. And that was a total admission that the last three years of Daniel Jones have been handled as poorly as possible between the coaching, between surrounding him with the right players, you name it. And uh, it was a little refreshing to hear that also, I think. Yeah, I, not that long ago, I'm pretty sure. It might have been last episode. I'm not sure, but I, I, 
I kind of praised Mare for the way he faced the music. Now, I know that, you know, people had issues with it not being live streamed and and the amount of questions per whatever. I, I, I get it. It was a very, very controlled, protected interview for, for him. But he did face the music and he did own up up to it. Now, he can't seem to speak out of his own way right now. He's he's caused a lot of confusion about who's in charge and how much control Joe Shane has. But I'm yes. going to listen to Joe Shane on this one because I don't think Joe Shane takes this job if it's not what he describes it as. And what he continued to say, everything he said, all points seem to indicate a real rebuild. He referenced his autonomy over decisions. He referenced... Uh, progress over playoffs and he mentioned that it's going to take time he continued to mention his process it was something that he kept saying my process the process he's gonna have to buy into our vision that sort of thing um and he also spoke to building through youth and building through the draft which is on its face a slower process of building it's the it's the better one in my in my opinion it's the stronger one it's the one that sets you up for long-term success um but it's not a quick process and you know i know i know giants fans have nausea just hearing that you know that and thinking it's a four-year rebuild when i say that i'm not saying that but it's it's far slower to take several years worth of draft assets and turn it into a roster versus going out and buying things because it's just that simple Um, yeah and the other thing you know kind of related to that you know with the responsibilities and the giant fan was irked again by the comment that maris said where he has autonomy but at the end of the day he has to approve the decisions which i think was blown way way out of proportion i think there's a massive difference between approving what's being done and either being an influencer or someone who's forcing decisions upon you. And you no, know, he's the owner. He has every right in the world to approve what's going on. I'm still waiting to hear from anybody to tell me decisions that have been made by a GM, be it Gettleman or whoever in the past, where the mayor has vetoed it. You know, we want to make this trade. And mayor said, no. Or we would want to draft this guy, and they say no. So, so I, I think the giant friend heard that the everything we have to we will at the end of the day be the ones who have to approve big decisions. As oh, here they go, they're meddling and they're getting in in, in his business already, and it's it's not it's going to be same old same old. I, I disagree with that line of thinking altogether. Yeah, we don't know specifics about that ever happening. We do know that John, well, John Mara said that he signed off on the Odell Beckham trade uh, and Dave Gettleman presented it to him and uh, he had a hard time doing it, he said, but he did sign off but, on it. Because but he did. He, That's exactly what we want. I agree. But but again, this speaks to John Mara being shitty at communicating because I understand Jordan Raynon was asking very specific because he, he wasn't very clear when he said those things and Jordan was like so is this different? And and he kept saying things that made it more confusing. It's like, no, this is the way we always did it. And it's like, so then nothing's different? Everyone has always had autonomy? Because that's not what we heard. So I, just John Merritt just sucks at talking and should just should stay in the back and should yeah, not I mean, meddle in things and also shouldn't probably talk to people because he sucks at it. And, um, you know, as a, as a New York Knicks fan, as a lot of you people are New York Knicks fans, there is a clear difference between what Merritt does, what you consider – interfering or having final say as opposed to what James Dolan does. James Dolan with the Knicks, he's almost acts like his own general manager. He he demands trade for this guy. He demands you get this free agent. He does a negotiation where he's almost negotiating against himself to get guys. And I've never got that sense with the Maris. I've got the sense that, you know, maybe they suggest like someone like Jason Garrett be on the staff or, you know, we recommend these things, but I never get the sense that he's actually playing a part of dictating or making making decisions as opposed to approving. And I still think it's two hugely different distinctions. I I, I do th- I agree that that's a huge difference between you know roster meddling and front office meddling. Uh, but at the same time, I, retaining Jason Garrett, having Jason Garrett be hired. Those were pivotal things in what turned out to be Joe Judge's career. Now, I'm not going down this path because Joe Judge kind of made his own bed. He had his own issues. If it was clearly just Jason Garrett that was the problem, we wouldn't be having this conversation anyway. But it wasn't. 
Um, but nevertheless, those were those were very altering things. You know, he might have been able to get an extra year out of it. He might have been a very good head coach. I mean, who knows? Um, I, I think those things are important. He also protects certain people in the front office, it seems like. You know, his, his brother has to have a scouting position. I don't understand why. I mean, maybe he is very good, but then... You know, there are certain things where it's like it seems like certain people are protected and um, that just means it's not full autonomy. So if mm-hmm. it's not full autonomy, then don't say it is. Uh, and again, I think a lot of this really is um, just John Mayer just sucks at talking. You know, you just, you just shut up and just say yes, he has full autonomy. Um, yeah. I mean, remember, he's <laughs> his biggest qualification for being the New York Giants principal owner – is that He's having grown up in the his, building. His father was the owner and his grandfather was the owner. So let's never forget that. This isn't someone that was, you know, the top of his, you know, Chicago business school class or, you know, some other blue blood uh, bloodline that, you know, he's groomed for this role. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the grandson of an owner. And, you know, you're, you're going to get that little choppiness of not someone being completely polished. But and also at the end of the day. Words are fine. Words don't mean shit. I mean, it's, 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 this, the, it's success of this, the success of this team and the, the rebuild starting next year and the success ultimately, whether it's in two years, four years, or seven years, is going to be the actions that this general manager takes, which are approved by the owner, and then are you know what his hires are for coaching staff, drafts, free agency, trades, and then this coaching staff executing game plans and players playing. That's it. Words don't mean words don't win you games. So Joe Shane, uh, instead of just talking, went to action. He has already, and this is old news by the time you guys are hearing it, signed his first player to a features contract. Former Buffalo Bills running back Antonio Williams. Um, just uh. a, you know, this is a guy who's practice squad dude. Um, so. Nothing to get too jazzed up about, but I'm going to just run through him really quickly. Um, He was an undrafted free agent, but a priority signing for Buffalo in 2020. Um, He's 5'11", about 210. He's very – if you listen to him talk, he's very positive, and everyone says that about him. He's very upbeat, even very early in the morning. Uh, His old coach at at North Carolina said, you know, there were some days where he was picking me up in the morning, you know, (laughs) just, you know, getting, he's a very, very hard worker. He's a very intelligent guy. So uh, one thing I, you know, learned about him, I guess, is he was a practice squad player with Buffalo. So that means he was often getting cut and re-signed and and that sort of thing. He really thought that football just wasn't going to happen to him. So he did business decisions. I mean, he's a partner with um, NASCAR racer Joe Graff. Um, he also owns his own competitive video game team. I mean, he – and if you listen to him speak, he's a very, very, very smart guy. Um, so you can tell that this is a character move right here. He's going to be a low-level player, special teams. I mean, he's a running back, so he can earn his way into reps, period. I mean, running backs, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen, but it's very easy to have a diamond in the rough that you just don't even know about because there's so many of them, you never even get a chance. And that's kind of been his story. He was recruited, very highly recruited out of North Carolina, went to Ohio State where he was just log jammed behind guys like Curtis Samuel and, and J.K. Dobbins and uh, Mike Weber. You know, all these these Ohio State like legends are in front of him. So he transfers to UNC, back to his home state. He has a really good year in 2018. Uh, you know, well, he, he, he was the second push. leading scorer, but then he just gets stuck behind Javante Williams anyway. So he again goes under the radar, which is why he was a practice squad player. But he did play in one game for Buffalo, Week 17 in 2020, and he jumped off the radar in 12 carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns, and one catch for 20 yards. Um, did then that was his only game action. So this is probably a special teams player. This is probably a depth player. This is probably replacing Gary Brightwell, for being completely honest. Um, but somebody that I think you know he has some value, and I think Giants fans will be like will, will like to see what he's got. He's a very fast north and south runner. He's got a very quick jump cut to get through the hole, but in the open field, deadly. I mean, he makes safeties just completely whiff. And most importantly, what Giants fans are going to like is that he loves contact. He will lower his shoulder and keep his legs driving. If he doesn't run that guy over, he'll at least get an extra two yards by keeping his feet driving. Very, very good power runner, but has surprising athleticism at times. I like him. 
He's cool. All right. <laughs> That's probably the most we'll ever talk about him, but it's well, I mean, I, maybe, but I mean, again, we're, we're looking at Saquon Barkley, probably not here in 2023, may not even be here for 2022. I even said it, you increase that the the strength of that O line, you also increase his trade value mid year, and if you can dump him mid year, you're just continuing to rebuild at that point you get an asset for where you otherwise would get nothing and you only can dump saquon barkley if you have guys in the building that learn the system already know what they're doing and can replace him you can't just trade a guy and just continue to function so um and for through all of his talk about the process and taking time and building through the draft joe shane said i think you can be competitive and rebuild at the same time and it's what they did in buffalo to be honest so that's that's also what Dave Gettleman said too. Well, so. exactly. You know, so again, another, speaking to your rea- the fan reaction, a lot of the things that Joe Shane said, Dave Gettleman said also. He just didn't sound like an asshole when he did it. Yeah, and I think you know those are the type of things that fans normally like to hear. But I think right now the fan is at such a low point right now, and it's just you think I'm the cranky fan. Those are the cranky fans right now, and they don't really want to <laughs> hear that. I mean, because like they've been burnt by that a few times already hearing it so again i think you just got to get these press conferences out of the way you have to do them you know it's introducing them to the media and to the fans that's what his voice sounds like now now it's time to get to work and you know it's not like you're going to be hearing from the general manager that often in press conferences anyway you know the, the the mouthpiece of an organization always is the head coach he's the one who's going to who'll be at the podium you know, after every game, he's the one who'll be giving the updates during the week. He'll be the one, you know, who you know, really is the one who's is, is the messenger between the team and, and the media. So let's just, you know, everybody relax what you heard and let's just move on and see who we hire next as our head coach. That's that's the next thing we need to really focus on. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the press conference, I understand why it's important for people. It's the first time we see him. Like you said, you just got to get it out of the way. But ultimately, they if it's a good press conference, it's one that tells you basically nothing. And that's kind of what this one was as far as I'm concerned. I felt like I didn't learn a whole lot more about Joe Shane than what I had already learned myself. And that's a good honest, press conference. Let's be honest. I don't want to hear everything. Why yeah, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Why? Why are you, you know, laying the cat out of the bag with anybody? I mean, the NFL and college football is getting more and more insular and more and more, you know, everybody gets paranoid coaches. They don't, you know, practices are, are now closed to the public and you know, the media doesn't see as much as they want to during practice. They don't want anybody knowing anything. So I don't need my general manager or my head coach to come out in his introductory press conference and lay out his blueprint for what he's going to do. Like in the draft, we know we're probably going to, you know, Saquon Barkley, we're probably going to trade him. Yeah. That's well, that's the other thing, too, is like I don't want to hear that you even have a plan. You've been here eight seconds. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it's one of the things he said, by the way, was that he acknowledged that there was going to be some tough cuts for the cap, but he has not even sat down with Kevin Abrams yet to go over the cap. Uh, so. Yeah. So the press conference was like fake big news. It's uh, it's it's news you get excited for, and then as soon as you hear it, you're like, eh, that wasn't really that wasn't really anything. But here's some big news just in time for the Super Bowl. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six, is officially live right here in New York State with mobile sports betting. Cranky, where are you going to be doing your betting? I haven't decided yet. I'm a very important person. A lot of uh, requests for my time. I'll either, I'll either go to my friend's house or cousin's house, or I'll go to a bar like Flannery's or Legends. I haven't decided yet, but I know one thing: anywhere I go, I can whip out my app. It's pretty sweet, <laughs> and can, right? And I can bet on it. Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's an easy interface. Um, all sorts of props, all sorts of parlays, all sorts of you know money line, whatever you want. And you know if you're really crazy, you can get into like Chinese ping pong and stuff. It's but let's just stick for football for right now. <laughs> well, that does mean that you can place a bet no matter where you are um, with DraftKings Sportsbook. So if you are at a Super Bowl party, you can do it there. If that party is every Super Bowl party is boring, by the way, or the worst. Um, or if you're at a bar or if you're just watching it by yourself or, you know, with just your, your small collective of friends at your house, as long as you're in New York, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook. So it's an exciting time to be a sports fan and DraftKings is making it even more exciting with this special offer. 
Not a new customer? You can experience Super Bowl 56 with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. More legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up using our promo code, Just Giants. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's 56 to 1 odds using our promo code, Just Giants, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full details. Must be 21 years or older and physically present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Who'd you bet? Who'd you, who'd you bet on for the conference championship? Come on, let's hear it. Very easy. Uh, Kansas City giving seven points and the 49ers getting three and a half. Oof, nice. Yeah. Nice. So while you guys are listening to this, I am – at practice somewhere in in Mobile <laughs> at the Senior Bowl, uh, maybe hanging out with Jim Nagy, maybe uh, holding a camera for somebody, maybe interviewing someone. Who knows? Uh, by the time you're listening to this, I could be doing any number. Of, I might have already been kicked out. Who knows? But um, the Senior Bowl is really cool and really crucial. And these are these are this is a big moment for kids that um, maybe are at a small school or maybe were injured or stuck behind other people this is their chance to play in a basically an all-star game you know of fringe nfl talent to nfl talent that's what they're going up against every day and we see huge names come out of the senior bowl every year i mean daniel jones obviously is one of them uh you know dj shark was another one i think aaron donald was a senior bowl guy um so this is a really big deal, and I'm taking it very seriously. I've been, I have been working nonstop on this, trying to get as much prep work done before as possible. Um, I don't know. Are there any guys that jump out at you? Is there any positions that you're really keying in on that you're worried about, and you want to see the Giants well, looking at there? I don't know about worried about, but I mean, the obvious position group that I care about is the offensive line. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that is position one two and three of where we need to rebuild this team if we want to have that honest evaluation of daniel jones and honest evaluation of you know the receivers we have the saquon barkley decision has to come up it's it all is predicated around the offensive line and right now we have an arena league offensive line we, <laughs> we do it, it yeah it, it doesn't uh it's getting people hurt <laughs> this offensive line more than anything else so i am very you know starting the process right now with the senior bowl and working our way through like basically the next two months of content on this show is going to be mm-hmm. about you know getting ready for the draft and free um, agency and, and free agency as well but we're thinking most likely our starters for the future most likely are going to come from the draft because we don't have, quite frankly have the money to mm-hmm. really get a adequate starting guard Right. I mean, our our salary cap is so screwed right now. Well, I mean, I outlined a plan where you can maybe sign one guy to like a real contract, but cuts are happening. So it's going to be more cutting than signing. Exactly. So, I mean, it it makes the most sense to kind of focus in on that. So we uh, we've been, you know, texting during the week and stuff about different players like, hey, what do you think about this guy? I think this guy. So what I tend to do and I the first to admit um, there's only one football grump when it comes to. On this show, at least, for evaluating film and evaluating talent and technique and all that, I I am not that guy. I am, well, that guy stood out for being dominating or something, but don't I can't tell you what type of technique he does or how he uses his right arm or something. But I can, you know, I, I definitely can say that guy stands out. And I also tend to look at film for guys either I know or teams I know and conferences I know. So I'm always going to gravitate towards the SEC. So. Having said that, there were two guys I kind of stood out for, for me, watching just some some basic film. Um, offensive guard from LSU, Ed Ingram, and Kentucky's right tackle, number 70, Darian Kennard. Um, Oof, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the offensive line has to be everyone's main focus. And, and the senior bowl, the, the interesting thing about that is that, like, a lot of these guys are – like I said, fringe NFL talent or 
you can see that there's ability there, but maybe something. So th- this is like such a random collective of offensive linemen. You have some guys that are like, he's definitely going to be playing the position he's always played. But there's other guys that are like, you know, at their school, they might have been the left tackle. But in the NFL, they're not going to be a left tackle. But that doesn't mean they're not NFL talent. It just means they're going to have to move. So this is very interesting because you get to see them practice on the right side or maybe practice inside. I don't think there's a single offensive lineman in this draft that played center at school. I'm pretty sure every single one of them was either a guard or a tackle. So someone's going to be learning center. So the the offensive line is one of the most interesting things for me at the Senior Bowl because of just what it is. And, you know, Darian Kennard, um, one of the things that he does that you can't teach, I mean, aside from just his size, um, very large man, um, he just looks nasty, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I'm not even going to spit at you any sort of, like, real in-depth stuff you know, before I've seen them at the Senior Bowl, but just on tape, what I've seen very briefly is he's, he plays angry, and you can't teach playing angry. And it's it's honestly it's what Matt Parrot doesn't do, right? Yeah, Grumpin. The tape I watched, he was playing Georgia, and you know Georgia, best defense in the country. You're looking at an, a defensive line and linebackers. All these guys in the NFL at some point, and he was holding his own. Yeah. And remember, Kentucky oh, yeah. does not Kentucky does not recruit at the level of Bama, Georgia, doesn't recruit the level of LSU, doesn't even recruit the level of Auburn and Florida right now. They are a a step behind. And uh, guys like him that, you know, can hold their own against the elite talent in the the SEC, let alone college football, you know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, stand out like a sore thumb. And you just look at this guy, he's a massive guy and, and right, he looked physical, violent. Yeah, he's standing up people, which you don't often see for especially Georgia guys. Yeah, I mean the fact is straight up. If you if you look like you belong as a tackle playing against Georgia, then you probably belong in the NFL if you get the right coaching. Whatever. I'm not saying Kentucky's coaching isn't very good, but it's not NFL it's actually, coaching. It's right. It's not NFL coaching, but you know having um, uh, Stoops as the, uh, the head coach who has a, a defensive background, you know, all throughout the SEC and everything. His grooming for – he's probably as groomed as well as he can be at the college level for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy you mentioned, uh, Ed Ingram. Yes, a guard. I mean, that's another one where you can see, like, he's going to impact the run game big time. You know what I mean? Just an earth mover. I think he might have some character concerns or something like that. I hate saying that without actually knowing anything, but I, I do believe – that that is an issue with him. So just kind of something to take a look at, whatever. Um, and also, you know, with him, he's playing on an offensive line at LSU that lost the world. Like mm-hmm. they lost that whole team. After, and the coach. Well, they, they lost in midseason. I'm talking about from 2019 to – from 2020 to 21, like losing Joe Burrow, losing mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, losing Jefferson, losing uh, Edwards, the running back, losing all these offensive linemen. You know, it's – it's it's a completely different offense almost you have to play and you know again in coach o, o didn't last very long he got fired pretty quickly after so it's a lot going on and again you could see it on the film you know from even these eyes this guy's a beast yeah, that guy's that guy's a mover and and mm-hmm. again another big guy over 300 pounds um he he fits the part i mean he will definitely be an nfl lineman so long as i guess he keeps his head on straight i'm not really sure um, you know, I, I wanted to look at offensive linemen and there's a bunch in there and you name some, like I said, I didn't really see anybody that's played center at all at college level. I would say that the, the nearest guy I could see making that transition is a guy named Dylan Parham from Memphis. Um, he's short, he's six, three. I mean, that's, that is, you are a guard at that point or a center. Um, but he's also really light. Um, he's almost at like, he's almost I would say if you just looked at his numbers, more a tight end than he is an offensive lineman. But when you actually look at him, that's not really what it is. He's just very lean, um, but muscular. You know what I mean? So despite being 285 pounds, he doesn't – he definitely looks thinner than the other guys out there. But he's got the frame that he can continue to add strength, muscle, some bulk, you know, some actual meat on his bones in addition to right. muscle. But 
you know, you can see he has some obvious strength. Another thing I want to see him improve on is maybe his get off off the line is a little slow, but he's a guy I could see transitioning to center. Um, he's got good drives in his legs. He's got a great anchor in his bottom half, even when he's being out leveraged. Uh, and his leverage is a little inconsistent as well. I mean, you you probably haven't heard of this guy for a reason. So I'm not I'm not saying that he's like a, a world beater at center, but I think he could be a mid to late round uh, mid mid round guy that can transition to centers. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, and remember, it's not first round or bust for building an offensive line or any position on this team. I think people focus so much on, you know, getting that that, that first round pick or having two first round picks at your line. You get a guy, mm-hmm. you know. And again, we're also building for depth at the same time we're building for starters also. So, you know, Matt Pert is an example of a guy I think when we drafted him was more of a maybe he'd start someday, but he was definitely a project. And yeah. he's kind of forced into maybe a little earlier in his progression because of the situation, you know, of lack of bodies we had. Yeah, I mean, there's no way you're going to build a successful franchise if you consistently miss in the middle rounds of the draft. So that's why these things like the Senior Bowl are so important because that's your middle round guys most of the time. Not all of them. Um, Another guy who's a middle round guy, he's not an offensive lineman, but I I think I've mentioned him before. And I do think that the tight end position when upgraded does help the offensive line a lot because quite frankly, we've held on too long to the pass catcher guy. I mean, we know it. We we kept trying to say he was getting better and whatever. Evan Ingram was not a good blocker. He tried. He did get a little bit better, but he was never good. Maybe at best was average, if that. He would have been passable if they were actually were good. Right. If he could um, catch and he was consistent. Well, and he was that's clutch. the other thing. I mean, right. but the guy I really want to keep my eye on, uh, and there's there's other tight ends there that are probably all ready, ready-made tight ends already. But this guy, uh, we're looking for middle round guys now and things that we can develop. And I think you can develop Trey McBride out of Colorado State. 6'4", 260 pounds. Like I said, he's already basically the size of Dylan Parham, by the way. Um, but he's, he's short. He's stocky. You know, He's 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 built like a foundation, you know what I mean? Um, he's a 2020 team captain. He's not really quick or fast. I mean, he's going to run routes that are going to make you think more like uh, Jake Ballard than Evan Ingram. Um, but, I mean, he pretty much blocks like an offensive lineman already. And not, there's nothing wrong with Jake Bla- Ballard's route running, you know what I mean? Your tight end does not need to be your number one or number two in the progression on every play. He just has to be able to win it. So he's probably not going to get any separation in one-on-one coverage, but he is good at finding a soft spot in the zone. And most importantly, in every way, he's the the very anti-Evan Ingram, but mostly in this way, and it's something that just drives me crazy, I've never seen him leave his feet to catch a ball for no reason. Oh, Always catching that, things in stride. jump up, you're not actually elevating at all? You're just yeah, like you're, 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 just you're, jump and then catch it in your chest. I mean, he doesn't do that. He's a hands catcher too. So I think there's something here you can really develop. I mean, he's probably never going to be your number one tight end, but he'll probably be a very solid number two tight end and a very good blocker in run situations, goal line situations, things like that. Someone you can rely on. So he's someone I'm also keying in on. Grub, let me ask you something. How much behind the eight ball are we going into senior bowl without having a coach and an offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator? Well, um, that depends on if we are actually without those things. So we're recording this on Thursday. There's a very good chance that we have a head coach hired. That's um, true. In my, I mean, you make a good point, though. I mean, you are behind the eight ball if you hired a guy on Saturday, and on, by Monday he's got to be down there. Um, but, I, I mean, do you get the feeling that the ho- head coach is just Brian Dable and it's been that way all along? All right, now, again, we are recording this on Thursday night, so uh, this may all be moot. Right. But, again, I did see a couple things today from some Dolphin websites that saying that there was a real good chance he would become the Dolphins head coach. Hmm. So I, if before I felt it was like 90, 90%, now I think it's probably about 75%. Okay. Um, well, but, then and if, if that's the case, if – just to answer your question, uh, you're very behind the eight ball. Um, you know, I, I have to think that no matter what, Joe Shane is going to be there. Uh, and 
he's going to hire a head coach that shares the same philosophy and vision as him. Um, so you're not super behind, I guess, because you should be lockstep, I guess. But, and you're just and you're just evaluating right now. You're just watching everybody. You're not looking at anybody. How does he fit into my scheme? It's just like, oh, look at the move that guy has, or oh, look how quick this guy is off the ball. And they're talking That's to him. Too. And and yeah. you know he's going down there with scouts and shit. But I mean, yeah, I mean you're a little you're a little behind. This is uh, I mean this is just kind of I don't want to go too far on a tangent. But we talked about when Joe Shane and Brandon Bean went to Buffalo. That was after the draft and. That seemed very strange at the time because, you know, it's after the draft and you just – you let these people do all this work for you and you just axed them. Like that's very strange. But truthfully is the NFL offseason is the on season for the scouts, GMs. I mean that's when they're doing work. And we, we talk about this all the time where it's like, well, why doesn't the GM answer answer these questions in the middle of the season? It's like they can't really do anything anymore, especially yeah. if you're past the trade deadline. You know, it's just like there's not a whole not lot that a, that a GM can do midseason that will – catastrophically alter the course of the season. I mean, if you're a contender, you can add that extra weapon that makes you a Super Bowl contender. But if you're if you're in the in the cellar, there's not much more you can do to get you out of the cellar at that point. So um it you're a little bit behind, but you're always gonna be behind when you fire your GM, you know, at the end of the season. It's right, just gotcha. especially especially when you're like you have full autonomy to, to to design the front office the way you see fit. It's like that's more than a one week job, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're I behind you. the eight ball. But I think that we're all in agreement that Devin Lloyd is really good, and I really want to watch him because I have mentioned that I don't think that they need to invest very heavily in the defense this year, but they do need to invest somewhere and replace somebody making a lot of money. I've made the case that it should be Blake Martinez, partially because there's a guy like Devin Lloyd alive. Um, you know, this guy is a pulse, and he's really good. Therefore, we should probably be you know looking to see if that's a move that we can do. So. Devin Lloyd, for those who don't know, is a Utah inside linebacker, uh, off-ball linebacker, whatever you want to say. But also, he has some edge presence. Utah did send him on blitzes, and he has pass rush moves. I mean, he's not just a guy who's just running like a bat out of hell. I mean, he's got a spin move. He's got rim moves. He's He has good bend around the edge, too. I mean, he's not... He's not full-time edge, so don't expect that, but he has that ability. In addition to... He's a former wide receiver. Hasn't been playing off-ball linebacker all that long, but that means that he is very good at understanding route combinations in front of him and he's got this six three frame where he can just with long legs cover a large amount of area in a short amount of time for those short area you know quickness things you know he's able to react very very quickly not a sideline to sideline speed i don't think but i am interested in seeing that um and i i guess the other thing is playing the run he's still very new um, you know, what he sees from route combinations, you can tell he comes from a wide receiver background and not a running back background because he will, he's inconsistent in picking his gaps and he'll pick the wrong gap. But what I do like is that he'll pick the wrong gap at hundred miles an hour. He is not a guy who's arriving a second too late because he had to stop and think he'll just go. So I'd rather him be wrong and cause chaos from time to time than be right, but late because right and late might as well be wrong. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, so that's one of the th- one of those things. I want to see coaches coaching up Devin Lloyd on when to when to jump the gap, which gap to jump, what to look for, pulling guards, that sort of thing. I want to see that improvement, and that's what this is all about. It's NFL coaches talking to young kids and getting them ready for the NFL, and you get to see how they adjust to that. So those are the things that I'm looking for, and those guys. But there, I mean, there's going to be a ton of guys. There, you know, these are just the non the, the names that jump right off the list at positions of need for the Giants. I'm just curious how what the whole process of Senior Bowl week is like. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be fascinated by your reports and just your experience of being there. I mean, this is the first. This is a major jump for this show, to be and, very honest. And, and me personally, honestly. Yeah, I mean, we've gone from two boobs who just talk about the Giants <laughs> to all of a sudden now you're you're crossing the Rubicon. You're becoming you get you're getting a your credential guy now, and it, it's it's huge. So I'm I'm really fascinated about what really goes on beyond what's just normally reported. Like how what's the interaction like? Seeing you said you want to see how the coaches are coaching up Lloyd. I want to see how the coaches are coaching these guys. Are they teaching? Oh technique? yeah, me too. Or is it they're not just coaching to win a game? But it's just like how are they are they really trying to make these kids better? Or are they I don't know. It's just, I'm fascinated by. How that's all going to work? I mean, I'm fascinated if you're going to be in the 
in the bar in the hotel and all of a sudden who you're going to see. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you're going to see other scouts. You're going to see GMs and head coaches. I mean, I mean, Mobile, Alabama is not exactly Vegas. There's not, you know, intercontinental hotels and, and Ritz Carlton's there. I mean, everybody's I mean, mobile's mobile. So I would not be shocked if you're going to see people that uh, are very connected and, and you know, <laughs> at the Wawa. <laughs> exactly. I, I heard there's re- I heard there's rumors of uh, trips to Waffle House and trips to uh, <laughs> you guys. So I want reports on that, too. Yeah, I, if the, if ever there is a time for you to follow us on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. This is probably going to be it. Uh, I have no idea what shenanigans we, we, we were trying to come up with plans and things to do, and it's all very much in the up, up in the air. So, but there will be there will be shenanigans in addition to like I'm I'm going there to absorb as much as possible. I have no real clue of what this is. I haven't really even been like on a college practice field, let alone an all-star college practice field. So this is going to be just as interesting for me as it is for all of you. So that this is the time because I'm just going to blast my Twitter feed with as much stuff that I find interesting as possible. And I don't know if it's going to be happening in the moment or back when I get at the hotel because I don't know how rapid fire it's going to be, but I'll obviously say all that on Twitter. So follow me at football underscore mm, – over here, at football underscore grump um, for – all Senior Bowl stuff. I will be there with the Talking Giants guys, probably on their stuff as well. Simple Man Radio, all of their affiliate stuff. You know, so if you're following them, which I'm sure you are, continue to follow them and check for me there as well. And Cranky Fan, follow him on Twitter as well. Um, this is a, an action-packed weekend for him. <laughs> uh, it, actually, this is by the time you're hearing this, it'll be a less action-packed weekend, right? <laughs> By the time you hear this, I'll be returning from a freezing weekend in Tampa for my annual get warm in the middle of winter where it's supposed to be 50 degrees. So I'll tell you all about the frostbite that I received in Tampa and hopefully a big lightning win over Vegas on Saturday night. Hmm. So that's that. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, this is we're, we're into hockey season. Yeah. Well, while while cranky fan is is into lightning hockey, I will be talking about the draft and also USL <laughs> USFL football. So see, as we're, see everybody as we're recording this right now, uh, Grumps Devils are playing my Lightning, and uh, oh, they're getting their ass kicked, aren't they? Uh, well, you have to find out the results when you listen to this show. Next week. <laughs> All right. All right, guys, be sure to follow us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube especially. Um, This show is better enjoyed on YouTube, but whatever works best for you. Um, And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. This is going to be an excellent week for a lot of uh, Senior Bowl stuff. So we'll see you next time. Go Giants. Go Giants.